I want to invite your attention, as I have on the screen, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. We want to begin reading there in verse 24. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. For a little while this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of mothers in the Bible that made a tremendous difference. You know, I realize today is a day that we honor, our, our world honors mothers. And that's a wonderful thing to honor mothers, to set aside some time to talk about those precious mothers and great influences in our life. It's something, though, that we need to appreciate not only on one day of the year, but every day, for they do so much. And we can learn so much from the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're going to do that today as we look to two Old Testament characters and two New Testament characters, and we're going to find some mothers that made a tremendous difference. On the day like today when we honor mothers, it's good for us to think about how much they really do. Being a mother certainly isn't easy. It's her most difficult job, most difficult task. It is a job that only she can do. In fact, giving birth does not make someone a, make a woman a mother. It takes a special kind to be a mother. One man said one time that a mother is a person who is willing to take the responsibility of investing her life into the, uh, into the life of another human being that is totally dependent upon her to do so. Did you know that by the time a child reaches the age of 18... A mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. In fact, women that never have children, I'm told, enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year of leisure time. Wouldn't that be great? But you know, there are some great portraits of motherhood in the scriptures. Like, for example, we could picture the mother of Moses who cared so much for her son that she broke the law in order to teach him the faith of his people. We can talk about the sacrificial love of a mother that appeared before King Solomon in the long ago and told him that she was willing to have her son taken away from her and given to another woman just so she would not, he would not be harmed in any way. Mothers make a great difference in the lives of their children. Many times these things that mothers do seem to go unnoticed. And you know, some of the greatest deeds and some of the greatest acts that a mother does is when she would do so at a time that she would get no credit. You know, my dad used to tell me years ago when I was a kid, he used to say, here's the thing about doing good for others. Would you do that good for others when nobody is watching and you don't get any credit? Some of the greatest things that we do in service to others, we do behind the scene. And let me just say this about the Lord's church. I know some great women that do things behind the scene 
that most people don't know. We've just call, come to expect the end result, which is very good, and the benefit of that. But they're working behind the scenes, and nobody is watching. You know, that's true with mothers. The poet Mary Rita Schilke wrote this, entitled, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator, and I wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I thought it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I knew that little things are special. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I believed that there was a God to talk to. I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved when you thought I wasn't looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's okay to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked. And I wanted to say thanks for all the things that I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. I want to notice with you some examples of mothers that made a tremendous difference. The first mother that I want to talk about, and really these are characters that we all know, but the first mother that I want to talk about is Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Now, there are some things about this story, and we all know the story about what Jochebed did for her son, Moses. But when we go to Exodus chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4, we find that the king of Egypt says this. The head guy, he says, what you're going to do is, to the midwives, is you're going to, we find also in Exodus chapter 1, the midwives were instructed that when the Hebrew women would come with child and they would go to give birth, and they would come to the birth stools, the Bible says, in the New King James. That the decree was this, that when a male child was born, the male child would be executed. And if it was a female child, if it was a little girl, that she would live. And the Bible says, though, that the Hebrew midwives did not do that. And in Exodus chapter 1, we find something very interesting about that. But I want to back up, please, just for a minute. There was a reason that Egypt decided that they wanted to kill all the male children. And you know, I think that there's a lesson here about power. Do you remember in school they used to teach us power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? You know, we have a history filled and history books are filled with men that were corrupt leaders in search of power. Now, the reason that they wanted all of these innocent little boys, baby boys, to die is because Egypt wanted absolute power. And they thought, they thought the Hebrews who were enslaved to them, if they could control the male population by destroying those little boys, then it would deplete the children of Israel and therefore could reign over them for years and years to come. This is great cruelty. And it didn't end. In Exodus chapter 1 and verses 18 through 22, we find that the Hebrew women were bringing those into this world and the, and the midwives of those women did not destroy those babies. In fact, in Exodus chapter 1 and verses 18 through 22, the king of Egypt said, I gave my decree 
to destroy the men or the boy babies, and you did not do it. Have you ever stopped to consider what they said and what really happened? You know, the Bible says that they said to the king of Egypt, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Now, that's an interesting statement. And then it says they are lively. And by the time we get there, they don't even need our help. In fact, these boys are being born. In other words, it happened before we ever got there. That is not a true statement. I'm trying to wrap my uh, mind around the very idea that what they were telling was they were telling an untruth. That's not what happened. In fact, God praised or God took care of the Hebrew midwives because they feared God. And that's the reason that they did not take the lives of these boy babies. They feared God. And the Bible says that those Hebrew midwives found favor in the eyes of the great God of heaven. And Israel flourished. Now, the king of Egypt, and we know the story. The king of Egypt is enraged by this. And he said, well, this is what's going to happen now. When everyone is born, if it's a girl, they're going to live. If it's a boy, they shall be cast into the river. I want to talk about a very special mother, Jochebed. Jochebed, the Bible says, protected him and put him in a basket and kept him in a basket until she could no longer do so. And the Bible says she put him in the Nile. Now about that time, you can just imagine when the princess, the daughter of the king, comes on the scene. And this princess hears the cries of a young baby. You know, I read a scholar one time. You know what he said? He said, it's interesting, but God used the tears and the cries of Moses to save him. The Bible says that that princess shows up and she finds him. And there was a very special person watching on. It was Miriam. It was the sister of Moses. She watched the whole thing. Now here it is. Jochebed, to protect Moses, put him in this situation. Miriam is watching from a distance. And as soon as this princess gets a hold of Moses, here comes Miriam. And Miriam says this. Shall I secure a Hebrew nurse? To nurse the child for you. And the princess says, go. And the Bible says that they secured or Miriam went and brought Jochebed, the mother of Moses, to do the task and paid her to do it. You know, there's been a lot of wicked people in the world. There's been a lot of wicked people in the Bible. There's been a lot of stories that we can read about, about people in the Bible that did wicked things. This man cast out a decree that these babies are going to die. Now, let me just ask you this. Who do you think is in total control of the whole thing? Moses had a purpose. He was to be a deliverer, and he would be a type of the greatest deliverer of all, and that is Jesus Christ. God was going to use Moses, and the king of Egypt was not going to stand in the way. And the Bible says, here it comes. The princess finds Moses, Miriam goes and gets Jochebed, and Jochebed nurses the child and gets paid for it. What an amazing thing. God was totally in control. Now, the Bible says that Moses was with Jochebed until Moses was weaned. 
Now, I don't know how you would translate that today, but I did some reading about this, and one scholar said this, and it's significant, especially when we talk about another mother in just a minute. When the Bible talks about the fact that Jochebed kept Moses until he was weaned, if it's talking about literal weaning, it's talking about the time that he would be nursed, and it could have been two or three years. But if it's talking in a figurative way, it could have been as much as 12 years that she had influence over her child, Moses, getting paid the whole time before he would leave. God was totally in control. You know, mothers protect us in so many ways. They protect us physically and they keep us from danger. Mothers protect us morally by teaching us right from wrong. And many times they protected us emotionally by keeping us from the things that they knew would hurt us. In fact, sometimes mothers view their children different than fathers. There's no way in the world that somebody could say that Tina loves our kids more than I love our kids. That's not my point. But sometimes a mother with motherly instincts protects their children and looks at things differently maybe than fathers do. Let me illustrate it like this. Back in about 1986 or 7, one night I went to Napomo. And we knew, my dad and I, we knew, don't ever tell mom if I get hurt. Don't ever tell mom. Now I'm in college now. And we went to Napomo and we rode bulls that night. And some of you that vacation on the coast know where Napomo is. We went, went to Gary LaFuse's place and had a bull riding jackpot one night. I got bucked off and I fractured my pelvis. And it hurt. In fact, we got in a car and drove all the way back to, the, to French Hospital in San Luis Obispo. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm getting x-rayed and I got to tell my dad. So I called my dad. You know, my dad was always with the phone right by his ear. He would answer the phone like he'd been up and I know he was sound asleep. He was just happy to talk to me. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I called home. He picks up the phone, and I said, Dad, I uh, just got to tell you something. Don't tell Mom. I said, I just been down at a bull riding jackpot, and they just x-rayed me and said I fractured my pelvis. So my mother is startled. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And my mother says, what's wrong, Bob? What's wrong? What happened, Bob? What's the matter with Frankie? What's the matter with Frankie? And he said, oh, don't worry. It's okay. He just went in for a little checkup, and he's going to be just fine. Now, I'll tell you something, my mother was gullible, but she wasn't that gullible. And she said, she let my father have it. She said, you mean to tell me at 2 o'clock in the morning he went in for a checkup? Oh, yeah, everything's fine. Just getting a little quick checkup. Mothers look at things differently than do fathers. That's the truth. Mothers have a protective instinct that is common to them and not common to men. When a mother can protect us, though, from the evils of this world, get this, though, and bring us up to love and serve the Lord, it, she has fulfilled her greatest role. That is the greatest role that a mother has, to love and serve God. Well, secondly, though, today, you know, we cannot talk about mothers without talking about the supportive mother, Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Now, if you remember one year ago today, that was our whole sermon was on the entire family of Hannah and her husband and the other wife. And I'm not going to talk about all that, but I do have to mention a few things and some lessons we gleaned from this great mother. We're talking about the supportive mother of Samuel, one of the greatest men that ever lived. 
Now you remember that when they were in Shiloh one day for the purpose of worship, and they went there once a year. In Shiloh, the Bible says, as one of those wives by the name of Peninnah, she was kind of, and I kind of picture her like this, hoarding over and lording over Hannah because Hannah could not have children, and she could. They were both married to Elkanah, one man. And you remember that she was weeping, and they were in Shiloh. She was crying. Do you remember what the husband said? The husband comes to Hannah, and he says, why are you crying? Aren't I better, get this, aren't I better than ten sons to you? There is something about wanting to be a mother that causes a woman to want to be a mother that's natural, that is normal. And when you want to be a mother and you can't, it surely is a tragedy. It's a sad thing. The Bible says that Hannah, though, departs from the crown. And she goes and prays. Eli, the priest, is sitting in the doorpost of the temple. And the Bible says he's listening on. And all he sees is her mouth is moving. And he accuses her of being drunk. He said, she said, no, I'm not drunk. I'm praying to God that I could have a son. And this is what she said. Please get this. This is the great lesson. She said, if you would only give me a son, I will lend him to the Lord, meaning he will always be my child, but I will lend him to the Lord all the days of his life, and as a sign, no razor shall ever touch his head, a Nazarite vow, and he will go the whole life, his entire life, without cutting his hair, and he will serve God all the days of his life. Let me ask you something. Be very honest within yourself. Have you ever made a promise to God? I'll just admit to you, I have. There were times when I have made promises to God. There have been times when I have said, I put everything in God's hands and says, if you can help me in that, I will do this. I will do this better than I've ever done before. I will do my best. I will serve you better. You ever made a promise to God and then not kept it? Do you know when you obey the gospel, you are making a promise to God and you are entering into a covenant relationship with God? In fact, you know what the Bible says? You enter into a covenant relationship for what? It says for obedience. In other words, when you are washed in the blood of the lamb at baptism and rise to walk in newness of life, you're making a deal with the Lord. You're saying, because my sins are washed away, I will serve you all the days of my life. That's what you're saying. It is serious business to break a promise to the Lord. Now, I know sometimes we break promises to people, and sometimes we don't even mean to. But let it never be that we break a promise to the Lord. She said, if you would just give me a son... I will give him back to you, and he will serve you all the days of his life. Now, about a Nazarite vow. You know, a Nazarite vow was taken in those times for different reasons. And sometimes somebody would have a Nazarite vow, and no razor would come to their head, and there were other specific things about a Nazarite vow, and there was always a time frame. For example, somebody could have a Nazarite vow for a period of time for a specific purpose. But then we find that there were others that had a Nazarite vow, and it was for life. 
one of which was Samuel, another, you remember, was Samson, another was John the Baptist. There was a time when some had a Nazarite vow all of their life. That's exactly what had happened with Samuel. In fact, the Bible says that God heard her prayer and she bore a son. And she kept him until he was weaned. Now, do you remember when I said about weaned? This is not the two to three years. This is the 12 years. Now, let me ask you this. Do you remember the time that you bonded with your child? Bonding with your child is immediate. I remember when Taylor was born like it was yesterday. And I remember the great emotions and all of the things that we were worried about because Tyler had not made it before that. I remember the, the flood of emotions that came over me. I remember that. Remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember this. I picked up Taylor for the very first time and immediately I bonded with her just like that. Same true with Tanner. Immediate. Now, let me ask you something. When Samuel was born, don't you know that she bonded with him? When she nursed him, don't you know that she bonded with him? And when she kept him for 12 years, don't you think that bond got stronger? Now, I said all that to say this. Can't you imagine how hard it must have been to give him to the Lord? To take him back to Shiloh and tell Eli, here he is, and he's going to serve God all the days of his life. Wouldn't it have been easy for her to say, wait a minute, I know I made that promise a long time ago, I just can't do it. Would have been easy to do that. Twelve years go by, folks, and you know what? She didn't forget. And she said, as long as he lives, he belongs to the Lord. You know, we all want great things for our kids. We're proud of them. I am too. I'm proud of my kids when they accomplish something. And there's nothing wrong with accomplishments. But let me say this. Your child will never be anything greater than a Christian. Nothing. And by the way, sports, activities, clubs, functions, you know what they are? They are extracurricular activities. If you're in school, you have, you have a curriculum, and that's why you're there. You have a curriculum that you study. All the other things are extracurricular activities. Now, I said all that to say this. Here's the problem with our society. The things that are supposed to be extra on the side have taken precedence over the things that need to be the focus point. <clears throat> There's a new religion today. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. There's a new religion today among society, and it's called sports and travel ball. I remember a time when there was nothing on Sunday at all. Nothing, ever. You know, since I have kids that played sports, their whole life, we saw parents that put everything that they have in a sporting event to get their child exposure to go play in college someday. That was the end all, that was the greatest thing, and nothing else mattered. The greatest thing they will ever be is a Christian. There's nothing greater than our children becoming 
a Christian. Hannah understood that the greatest thing he could do was serve God. She made that promise. And, she, and, he served, and he served God the rest of his life. There are three things that we learn from Hannah's story. Number one, God answers prayers concerning our children. Number two, that we need to give our children to the Lord and teach them to serve him all the days of their life. We must support our children too in doing the Lord's work. There's nothing greater than our children being a child of God. We have the protective mother Jochebed, the mother of Moses. We have the supportive mother Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And thirdly today, we have the instructive mother, and I love this, the instructive mother Eunice. Now she's the mother of Timothy. And you know, she had a very special mother herself. That was Lois. It was Timothy's grandmother. Now I want to paint a picture here. This is the greatest example that I can come up with in all the Bible of how a mother and a grandmother can make the difference in the life of a boy who became a man even without the presence of a father. Eunice was a wonderful mother. She changed the world through her son, Timothy. Do you remember in the book of Acts when it talks about the disciples? They went out. This is how important it is to preach the word of God. This is how much weight the word of God holds. And the greatest duties of us to take the gospel to the lost. You know what it says in the book of Acts about the disciples? They literally turned the world upside down. How? Through preaching the word of God. This little precious mother named Eunice, you know what she did? She changed the world. She raised a preacher. Years ago in the Philippines, we had preached all different places. We were preaching under a tree one time. There were 60 or 70 people under a tree. And only one man came forward to obey the gospel. I say only because you see so many, 10, 15, every service. And it just turned out, we found out later, that everybody else that was there was a member of the church. The only non-member that was of the age of accountability was this man. This man, this is a great story. He obeyed the gospel that day. And the influence that he had was so great that they expected that maybe hundreds of people would be saved as a result of his stand for the truth and obedience to the gospel. You ever stop to consider what difference that you would make if you had a preacher of a son? Timothy, you remember, was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. And uh, Paul and Timothy partnered together as the gospel continued to spread. You remember also that many years later, Paul was in prison and he writes two letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Mother Eunice, grandmother Lois. Look at 2nd Timothy 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, And from childhood you have been taught, it says, the scriptures. Now please picture this. The word scriptures there is translated from a word called brephos. You know what that word means? It means the sacred writings. And Paul was saying, you did it, mother and grandmother. You took the sacred writings of the Old Testament... And you trained Timothy, and what did it do? It prepared his mind and his heart to receive the gospel later on. 
Now, you don't think teaching kids about Old Testament Bible stories is important? It's important. When they learn about Jonah, and they learn about Noah, and they learn about Old Testament characters, what are you doing? You are sharing with them the sacred writings of the Old Testament. Basic things. What that does is it prepares their mind and their heart to receive the gospel later on. If our kids never hear anything about the word of God in the home, why would they ever want to be interested later on? You know, they prove that a mother and a grandmother can make a difference, a spiritual impact on their children without even the help of a father. In essence, they live the commands of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. That's what they did. They fulfilled the Old Testament pattern of taking the word of God to their children. Notice what Paul said of Timothy in Philippians chapter 2. Watch this. Beginning in verse 19. Paul said, But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy shortly to you, that I may be also of good comfort and may know your state. Notice, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Now I'll tell you this. You've heard me say this so many times about fathers and about the role of the husband and so many times that things in the home are not what they ought to be because the role of the father and the husband is not being taken care of according to the word of God. Yeah, that's all true. But this means, this means that a preacher came from an influence of a mother, a godly mother and a godly grandmother. And what a difference they made. You know what Paul's saying in Philippians? He's saying, I have nobody like him. In fact, Paul goes on to say, most people think about themselves, as I paraphrase, and not about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy is different. He thinks about the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. They changed the world. Eunice and Lois prepared him to be the man that he became. And Paul continued on in that passage in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 22. And he said, but you know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. Became one of the great preachers that we read about in the scriptures. Finally this morning though, there's the greatest mother that ever lived. In fact, there's no way that we can even talk about mothers today without mentioning the greatest mother that ever lived, and that's the mother of Jesus Christ. And that was, she was the loyal mother. You know, in John chapter 19, when Jesus was on the cross, his mother was there. And you know, if Jesus had not sent his mother away, make no mistake about it, she'd have stayed. Because that's what mothers do. Mothers don't give up when their children lose their way. Now, they don't condone their activity if it's wrong. 
But there's nothing in the world like a mother. They never give up. They're loyal. When Jesus was on the cross, we could picture in our mind's eye the scene of the tears that streamed down the face of Mary as Jesus was hanging on the cross. And you know what's interesting about that? 30 years before that, you might remember, do you remember what Simeon said? Simeon said this to Mary 30 years before about. He said that in that day, your heart, get this, would be pierced through. Simeon wasn't talking about Jesus. Simeon was talking about Mary. And we know the story that Jesus was pierced. And why? Because the Bible says that it was prophesied they looked on him whom they have pierced had to happen. So there was a soldier that took a spear and thrust it into the side of Jesus. And out from his side flowed blood and water. It proved two things. One, he was human. And two, he was dead. We know that. Jesus was pierced in his side. The death stroke that we've preached about in times gone by. But the loyal mother Mary was pierced too. Have you ever had anything in the world wrong with one of your kids? That's the piercing. That's what the loyal mother went through. But she wouldn't give up. Mothers don't give up even when we as children deserve that they do. Someone once said that a mother's love is stronger than steel. It is softer than down and more resilient than a green sapling on a hillside. It closes wounds, it melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I'm so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding his mother and understanding the pain that she was in as he looked down and he sees the disciple that he loved, and that was John, and he sees his mother there, and he says, woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And from that period of time, from that time on, the Bible says that John took Mary unto his own house, and he took care of her, and Jesus on the way out, being crucified and bearing the sins for the entire world, took care of his mother. The one that was loyal. Do you see the four things here? They picture what a mother is. She protects us. She supports us. She instructs us. And she is loyal to us. In closing this morning, the poet once wrote this regarding the influence that a mother has on her daughter. And it says, a careful mother I ought to be, because a little one is following me. I do not dare to go astray, for fear she'll go the selfsame way. I cannot once escape her eyes, whatever she do, sees me do, she tries. Like me, she says, she's going to be that little one who follows me. She thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me, she must not see that little one who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am building for the years to be that little one who follows me. That's the greatest job you will ever have, is to be a mother. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. 
If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.